Hello, everyone. Welcome to Testimony Tuesday. Um, thank you to Pastor and Sister Green for allowing me to share my testimony. I love my church and the restorations that God has done in our church family. Um, I'm going to skip around a little bit. Um, so I'm going to start with, I grew up attending First Baptist Church in Elgin, where my family attended church on special occasions, and I was one of those Sunday school kids riding the church van to church. Regardless of whether anyone else attended, I felt compelled to continue to seek God. I wondered over and over, is there more? And I wanted to be involved anytime I could. Sunday school to VBS, I was there. My parents eventually became regular attendees, and my dad became an ordained minister. He was the founding pastor at a church where he pastored until he physically couldn't do it anymore. At the age of 12... Um, I was abused by my grandfather while we were camping. My parents protected us so much when we were young that it was the one and only time I was ever alone with him overnight. I lost my trust in men in that moment. Later that same year, a cousin did something inappropriate that pushed me even further towards a mistrust of men. I spent the next couple of years pulling into myself my dad had always showed me that no matter what, you can't let anyone see your weakness. My mistrust for men kept me at odds with my dad. At 16, my mom pulled us aside and told us that she was abused by my grandfather, and she was trying to deal with the issues that the abuse had caused in her life and in her relationships. She tried to get me to go to counseling with them because she knew there was something wrong, but she just couldn't put her finger on it. I refused, and she eventually backed off. I continued to suffer in silence and pray in the still of the night, God, are you there? Do you even care about me? There has to be more, God. Where are you? By that time, we were living in Wyoming, and we were special occasion attendees, more than faithful attendees at a local church. Eventually, with my parents' relationship, got better, and I graduated high school. At 19, Jason and I had reestablished our relationship while he was in the Navy. He encouraged me to start attending a little Pentecostal church that his parents were attending in Elgin. I spent the next few months talking to him over the phone for hours and hours and attending church anytime the doors were open. When he came home for leave, he became the first person that I told about what happened when I was 12. He then helped me to admit that to my parents. After I told them, I felt a weight lift somewhat. At least I wasn't hiding anymore. I then attended a little watch night service at Bastrop UPC on December 31st, 1995. On that night, we weren't going to stay because they were going to do foot washing as a good old Baptist girl, what on earth was that? And communion. Jason's mom didn't feel comfortable staying since we weren't members at the time. Well, Jesus didn't let me leave. He had really big plans for that night. As we were leaving, I started crying, and I didn't know why. Carol asked me what was wrong, and I said, I don't know. We even ended up outside walking down the steps of the church, and I couldn't physically leave. Weeping just kept stopping me. We ended up turning around 
I walked up to the altar, raised my hands, and I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost right then and there. At that moment, I knew what I had been seeking in the stillness of the night the years before. I was then baptized in Jesus' wonderful name. Psalm 46 and 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Jason and I married that next year, and we started our lives together in Washington. We started attending a church there, but that quickly fell off as life supporting a sailor with an erratic schedule started. He then had to deploy on a six-month Westpac where he visited multiple ports. About two months into that deployment, I received a call from Jason in the middle of the night that shook me to my core. He had made a mistake, and we found ourselves in a place where I had to choose whether to forgive or not. The next few months were extremely hard as I dealt with distrust again, and I didn't know what to do. My emotions said run, but God kept saying to stay in my prayers. When he returned a few months later, we worked through the feelings and distrust, and we chose forgiveness and mercy. But the mistrust of men was still there. I suffered two miscarriages in that first two years of marriage. Fast forward seven years, I was still unable to have children, and we were regular members at Bastrop UPC. That seventh year of our marriage was the hardest, and we both were at odds because of the lack of being able to have a child. I had various medical problems, including endometriosis and what would eventually be diagnosed as a bicornate uterus, which is basically a heart-shaped uterus that had two sides, in addition to polycystic ovarian syndrome that would lead to, to diabetes. Everyone around me was having children, which made the mourning for wanting to be a mother harder and harder, but we kept praying. In a prayer meeting one day, I recall that Sister Chandler asked me what name God was giving us for our baby. God immediately gave me the name Myra Nicole. I felt a lot like Hannah in those moments, and I continued to pray. So it reminds me of the scripture in 1 Samuel 1.17. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition which you have asked of him. We had heard from God. And we stood on that word that we would have our Myra Nicole. We then made little booties with Myra's name. And everyone in Jason's family carried around those booties. Every single time we got in our cars, we would touch those booties. We would pray. And they served as a reminder of the promise that God had given us in that prayer meeting. Those little booties stayed in my car for four years. But we never gave up hope that we would see it come to pass. Like the woman with the issue of blood, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I could be made whole by his grace and his mercy. After 11 years, we found out we were expecting. All seemed to be going well, and we were so excited. At eight weeks, the baby was doing great. Heart rate and growth looked perfect. But at 12 weeks, we went in for our ultrasound, and the doctor couldn't find a heartbeat. Our precious baby had died. I remember the utter despair in those moments. God had brought me so close to my miracle that I was in disbelief that this could be the will of God to come so close to it and lose it. Sister Doris, 
Jason's mom and I laid on the floor crying out to God. And we prayed for his will to be done. We went back to our OB-GYN the following day. I was hopeful that the first doctor was wrong, but he wasn't. I was then sent home to spend the next few days waiting to lose our baby. We were having a revival that weekend, so by Saturday I insisted that Jason go to church. It happened to be in that moment when nobody was there that I lost our baby physically with Jesus holding my hand as I said goodbye to that sweet baby by myself. I was praying that someone would have some type of answer for me. But the man of God that was there that weekend just didn't know what to say. And no reassurance would come in those moments. But I knew God was still good. Even through all of this, he was still good. I continued to praise, worship, and pray through the healing of that loss. Fast forward another seven months, and we're expecting again. We are cautiously optimistic, and we're praying continually. This time, it's twins. I started having issues, and the doctor says one of the babies is dying and won't make it. Oh, and by the way, you have a really high chance of losing the other baby. So we keep praying. My feet stay elevated through that first trimester to give the second baby a better chance. We make it into the second trimester. We find out we're having a girl. Of course, we had no doubts. And we go to a 24-week ultrasound. It's bad news again. Baby girl is, finding, is falling behind on her growth, and she isn't getting blood flow from me between her heartbeats. She isn't even a pound and hasn't reached the age of viability yet. My mama heart felt like it was breaking all over again. I prayed and I prayed, God, you have to direct us here. I can't carry this alone. The following week, she got steroids to try to mature her lungs after I insisted that they had to do something to increase her odds of survival. We then start appointments three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We're in the perinatologist's office. The doctor keeps saying that we'll be lucky to get to 28 weeks, and it doesn't look good. But God had the final say. We keep going week after week. At any given time, the doctor can say we're delivering her. Due to her condition, they were estimating 48 hours to deliver her if her blood flow got worse. But we passed 28 weeks. Prayer warriors everywhere still praying. We get to 32 weeks. We weren't supposed to measure her yet. Um, the way that worked was every three weeks they measured her. And it had only been two. The doctor decides we need to measure her. She had only gained an ounce in two weeks. She has 24 hours to be delivered. So we go in at 32 weeks one day to have our girl. Myra Nicole was born at 2 pounds, 14 ounces. Again, the doctor said she'd be in NICU for two months, but God brought her home at 29 days. Every single thing we were told throughout that entire ordeal was negated by God's final word. Over the next two years, we are in and out of the hospital with bronchiolitis, RSV, you name it, she had it. In those days, I would spend days at the hospital with her by myself. Jason had to work, 
and he was unable to take off of work, so I just spent, spent it caring for my baby. I remember at one point she stopped breathing, and all I could say was, Jesus, in those terrifying moments when she was surrounded by the doctors and nurses trying to get her breathing again. In the stillness of those nights, the sickness that was constantly there, God continued to hold Myra and I. He met me as I held my sweet girl, praying that the sickness would pass from her. When I felt I couldn't go on another moment because I was just so tired, he continued to pull me through it all. Her immune system eventually got a little better, and the hospital visits moved further and further apart. Things settled down, and I don't remember the exact year. But I was voluntold that I had to teach life and focus classes about that time. I remember thinking, why on earth am I teaching classes on acts, which is alcohol and chemical treatment, anger management and parenting? But God knew what I needed. Remember earlier when I said I still had a little distrust of men? This is where that started to truly heal. When I started teaching anger management, I found myself opening up about the anger I still had pinned up. Even as a Holy Ghost-filled believer, I had anger that I was harboring in my heart. In teaching lessons over and over and over, I found myself healing little by little. What was painful to talk about became just something that had happened with all emotion around it removed. I was able to forgive and see my grandfather again. I wish I could say he was remorseful but he died never apologizing to any of his victims. But through me finding forgiveness, I was able to truly forgive and pray for the man that had hurt so many people. And through the past several years, God has worked miracles in our finances too. When God got, or sorry, when Jason got out of the military, he jumped from one end, dead end job to another until God led him to plumbing and then ultimately to commercial driving. God continued to bless me in my job, helped me through finishing my college degree while working full-time and having a sick toddler, and blessing our finances through my job. There have been many moments in, those past several, in the past several years when I shouldered the burden of being the sole breadwinner with construction jobs being so unpredictable but God gave me strength and grace through every single moment. From losing cars to living in homes where you could feel the air coming through the windows or finding mice in the laundry baskets, God continued to work and lead us through it all. Oh, I could tell you some stories from some of those festive rentals we have called home. About seven, um, six years ago, God sent Jason in a different direction in his career which finally led us to being able to buy our home. This took him out of the construction field and provided more stability in our home. Through every struggle, we have continued to give, and God has blessed us more than I could ever adequately explain. I am blessed to work remotely. We have Myra and Hope Silo, and Jason is able to be at home every night, even as a commercial truck driver, which is unheard of. In addition, God has made a way for him to be off earlier on Wednesday nights to attend church most Wednesdays, which we are very, very thankful for. 
about two years ago, we felt God calling us to Austin First Church. We didn't quite understand why, God, would you move us after so many years that we kept asking, are you sure, God? Are you really, really sure? About that same time, we took in a child into our home, and God said, wait to move. We waited, we prayed, and we trusted that he would direct us. Nothing made sense to us at that time. God knew when we needed to move, and he opened the doors for us to do so 18 months ago. When we came to Austin First Church, we found ourselves in the middle of a very, very hard situation that God sheltered us through. His timing is always perfect. And we as a church body were on a five-day fast during one of the hardest weeks of my life. His grace, his mercy, and his goodness carried us through everything that happened that week when we had to make changes to find the help we were unable to provide for that child that we had brought into our home. Very precious child that we just couldn't provide the help she needed. God knew more than we did on the right timing and what his plans were for our family when he pushed us to AFC. About a month after we moved to AFC, my dad was put in hospice after a medical procedure went gravely wrong. I spent a month with my family just loving and caring for my dad. Some of the best memories are the precious times I spent with him in those last days of his life, just caring for him and loving on him. I remember walking on their property just praying that God's perfect will would be done. While I still understand, don't understand why he passed away the way he did, I know that God has a plan. Even in the heart step, God has a plan. My hope comes from him and him, him alone. My story is far from over. Hurt comes in many forms, but through it all, Jesus has carried me. He's restored me. He's healed me, and he's brought me so much peace. Peace that passes all understanding. Over the past year, God has continued to grow me in my walk with him and push me out of my comfort zone. Being in church doesn't shelter us from trouble or hard things, but it does ensure that we have the one that will hold us and direct us through it all. I found my twirl again a zeal that had been missing for longer than I want to admit. I renewed love for his word. Thank you, Sister Green, for the Bible reading challenges. And most of all, love and acceptance. My hope and prayer is that my testimony will bless you. Thank you for listening. I pray you all have a blessed evening.